The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Hey, it is Jeff Blum, and welcome to podcast number 211. Something a little bit different about this podcast, being that my good friend and co-host, David Tuttle, is out on the left coast. He's working his ass off. We couldn't really find a time to record this week, but we've got something that we hope that you will enjoy and maybe fill a little bit of that space during that week, because we love coming to you. We love that you listen in, so make sure you rate, review, subscribe. It does wonders for us, moves up, moves us up all these lists that we need to in order to garner more time to speak with you. So we appreciate everything. Make sure that you get to Tuttle, at Real David Tuttle on both Twitter and Instagram. And of course, myself, Blummer. Get at me at on Twitter, at Blummer27. On Instagram, at Blummer27. We are getting closer to the season. We are about one week away from having pitchers and catchers. And one week after that, you're going to get the entire ball club out there on February 21st. And then you're actually going to have myself, TK, and Julia on a TV broadcast on February 25th. So we are looking forward to that. Things are ramping up quickly. You got to make sure you follow us. You got to make sure you follow at Bleacher Blums. They're going to have a lot of stuff going on on there that you can follow on them. It's good to see my producer, Mark Ramos, in the building. He's always doing great work at CrushCityTees.com and also with Ram Shirts, so we appreciate him. But we can get on with it a little bit because I know you're going to hear a lot of my voice during this podcast, but hopefully it benefits you and you enjoy it a little bit because I was able to convince Astroline, or more notably, Matt Boltz, the radio engineer I work with on Astroline, to peel back some of the audio from the most recent Astroline that I hosted, and we got the audio on our Bleacher Blums podcast. I hope you enjoy it. It's going to be good. They have the fan forum that I did with Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman talking about that 2022 season, the World Series run they have been on. And we also talked about the upcoming 2023 season. And we've also got an interview I did with Brian McTaggart. This is a great interview because he offers, obviously, a ton of insight into the Astros, into the organization, and we also foreshadow what might happen in 2023. And if you listen to this podcast, make sure you listen to what he says about Michael Brantley, because I was even floored with some of the news that he broke on that interview. So I hope you enjoy the listen. 
I think we're going to go with Brian McTaggart first, and then we'll finish things off with Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. So on behalf of my co-host, David Tuttle, and my good friend who's doing all the editing on this fun episode 211, Mark Ramos, here it is. Here's the interviews that we did with Brian McTaggart and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Astro Line. It is presented to you by, of course, Plucker's Wing Bar, best wings in town in Houston. And of course, every Astro Line, we try and get you as many interviews as we can. And this one's kind of special and near and dear to me because I found out that Brian McTaggart, who is coming on for us, writes for MLB.com, has been since 2009, I believe. But you've been covering the Astros for 20 years now, Tags? Yeah, yeah this season will be my uh, 20th. My first season was 2004 with the Chronicle. Um, and, you know, the, uh, they had just signed Pettit and Clemens. The, the all-star game was in Houston that year and the Chronicle was like, let's beef up our coverage. So they, let's add this knucklehead. And so <laughs> they added me to the coverage and uh, yeah, I walked the first clubhouse I walked in in spring of 2004 with Pettit and Clemens and Oswald, Biggio, Bagwell, Berkman, Jeff Kent, uh, a little bit of a, wow, this is pretty, pretty amazing. And of course, and then a, you know, great year and then 05 was a wonderful year. So um, I like to say I've seen it all in 20 years. Uh, now knock on wood because something will happen that I've never seen, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, this will be my 20th year. That's a pretty impressive way to start in. And I know that you're a Houstonian, you're, you're near and dear to this city, but, uh, did you have any idea after those first two years of 0405 covering the Astros that you would be back into a similar era of winning and seeing two world series championships? No, because, you know, I grew up watching the Astros and it took so long for them to get to the world series. Oh, five was their first world series. You know, that's, 40 years after or 40 plus years after the franchise was founded. So you're like, man, if it takes this long to get there and then they lose and get swept, as you well know, Blummer. Uh, then I was like, you know, when they, that, that whole 0405, team kind of fell off. You're like, this, there's not light, light at the end of the tunnel. This is going to take a long time. And it, it did take a while, but uh, uh, I always tell people, I, I almost wish this run they had would have happened when I was like a teenager. I would have had way more fun. Uh, you know, covering has been great, but, uh, you know, uh, living and dying as a teenager with every Astros game um, was different. But, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a special time for all Astros fans just because of uh, what they've done the last six years. Pretty incredible. No, it's been amazing. And I say that. I go out and have a couple of speaking engagements and I'll MC some events. And I keep telling everybody, you know, you are, I'm in your generation where we watch the Astros in the National League West. And then you get to this position where our kids, my kids, yep. now that I'm broadcasting for the Astros, the, all they know is winning and going to championship series with the potential to win a World Series. And it's amazing how spoiled they are. And you got to watch the transition from Drayton McLean to Jim Crane. When Jim Crane took over, did, did you get the sense that things were going to trend in this direction? Because 13, 14, you know, what, 12, 13, 14 were not pretty years. Yeah. And the years Drayton owned the team, he, you know, he wanted to win and he, it's towards the end, he had high payrolls and he went out and signed players. Um, but they did it sort of at the expense of the minor league system. And I, I think all that eventually caught up with them where they, they didn't have the minor league players coming through. The payroll was high. Now, you, once those players left, uh, you were kind of stuck in this lurch. So it was going to take what happened. It was going to take a, a rebuild to where um, you just strip this thing down and get draft picks and, uh, you know, focus on that. And, um, you know, that's uh, a bitter pill to swallow for fans because look what happened. Three consecutive 100 lost seasons. You have to sit through a lot of bad baseball. But I think looking back 10 years ago, when you were in the middle of that, if you said, you know, sit tight and in, in 10 years, you'll have a couple of World Series titles and uh, 
six straight trips to the ALCS, everybody would have been on board with it. So um, it certainly certainly worked out for the better. Yeah, it's been remarkable. It's been a great run. And we know that uh, 2022 ended with a World Series championship. Eventually, James Click has been let go. And the most recent news, big news that has happened for the Astros is they've gone out, interviewed uh, several candidates for the general manager's position, and eventually landed on a guy in Dana Brown who has uh, definitely has the pedigree to be a general manager and I think is a great choice. Give me an idea of how you feel about it and maybe give us some background on Dana. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a very solid choice. I've heard from some people in the game, uh, just a guy whose re- reputation is great. I had two two or three people just reach out to me and send me his cell phone number and say, you got to call and get to know this guy. And I did call him before they hired him, had a little chat with him. And he, and he was awesome. You know, I've texted him since he was hired. And, you know, you know, he said, I, I you know, I can't wait to catch up with you. So I'm really excited to get to know him as a man. But, you know, his baseball resume is really strong as well. I mean, a scouting background. This is a guy who was a scout. He was he was raised by or groomed by old time scouts. Um, he played the game in, in college with, we you know, at Seton Hall with Biggio and, and Mo Vaughn as well, played the game in the minor leagues. And I, I think that spoke to what the Astros were looking for. I think they were looking for a little bit of a pivot away from the, you know, the Ivy League educated data driven guys to somebody who has played the game a little bit and somebody who's gotten down and dirty in, in the scouting world and uh, is really good at player development. And he's been good at player retention. Of course, not only did he help sign all these great young players with the Braves and uh, some of the, with the Blue Jesus Blue Jays as well, Kevin Biggio, but you know, Braves like Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, Von Grissom, guys like that were all acquired. And he, they, they signed these guys to contracts that are going to keep them Braves for a long time. So they have the, the Braves have this nucleus now, that's going to stay together for quite a while. And that's a big part because of Dana Brown and what he's done. And so I think that really spoke to ownership. He still values analytics. He has a very strong R&D department with the Astros, but um, he also knows to get out there and see guys what their makeup is uh, and maybe get a better idea because he played if they can make it in the big leagues. Good stuff. And I think you're right about the scouting coming back a little bit, trying to marry the eye test with the analytic test. I think that'll bode well moving forward as he tries to redevelop the minor league system for the Astros. But you mentioned something about player retention. And I think that probably it probably had to figure into hiring Dana Brown and how well he did it. He did at signing some of those Atlanta Braves to extended contracts to try and increase their winning window. Give me a couple of guys that you see on this roster that Dana might go after and try and extend. Well, I mean, there's two prime candidates for that right now. That's Kyle Tucker and Framber Valdez, both all-stars last year, both coming off the best years of their career. You know, Tucker has arbitration eligible this year, but has three years left in art. So he's going to be an Astro for at least the next three years. But his stock is only rising, and it 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 rose after last year when he had such a great season. So I think he's a guy that they're going to try to get locked up to to you know one of these long term deals. You know, Fromber as well made a you know made a run at the Cy Young. Frankly, you know the Cy Young winner was in was in his rotation and Justin Verlander, but I think he finished third in the Cy Young, so he was right there. I think he's a prime candidate in the next couple of years before he reaches free agency. And then beyond that, beyond that, you have a couple of guys now in a couple of years who are going to be coming back on some early deals they signed who are going to be up for free agency in Altuve, Alex Bregman. You know, Astros got Jordan locked up last year, which looks, uh, you know, just in time because he took off right after he signed that deal. And <laughs> boy, his, his price tag went up quick. But um, it's amazing what the Braves were able to do just signing all those guys 
and that they're going to be good for a long time. And that's the blueprint the Astros want. We were joking earlier, Blummer, how they, the Braves don't have anybody on the top 100 prospect list that just came out because they all graduated to the big league. So mm-hmm. that's a huge feather in Data Brown's cap as well. Yeah, I think it's great. The future is, again, still looking bright for the Astros. You mentioned Framber Valdez and that Cy Young potential that he might have in that left arm. So let's talk a little bit about the 2023 season. We're close to spring training. Pitchers and catchers reporting on February 15th. And let's talk about that rotation. Framber and I believe Lance McCullers have got to be the two guys leading that rotation. Christian Javier's uh, done a phenomenal job in getting into that rotation and pitching well. Then you have plenty of options at the back end with Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, Hunter Brown's going to be in the mix. But losing a Cy Young Award winner out of your rotation, some teams would panic, but it really doesn't seem like the Astros had to panic with some of the names I just rattled off, right? Yeah, right. No panic. I mean, if you're the Astros, you hate to see Verlander go because 18-4, and 175 ERA, I mean, pretty historic season. But one of the reasons you don't want to pay them this tons of money is because you have the other guys and you can roll out there with a, a very strong rotation of five with Hunter Brown ready to step in as well. Um, Christian Javier is a guy who I saw a prediction that someone predicted him, uh, one of the websites to win the Cy Young, which wow. would not shock me at all. I mean, this he's probably has the best stuff out of anybody in that rotation. And I think he's just going to get better and better. I'm really excited to watch him pitch. But I think with those three at the top of the rotation, very strong one, two, three, you know, Urquidy and Garcia didn't even get close to making a start in the playoffs last year, but good work out of the bullpen. And, you know, here, here they're going to be again in the rotation is a, a couple of guys who you can really count on. I mean, Jose Urquidy has three World Series wins and Astros are like, well, we don't need you to start. We have these other guys. But, uh, you know, Hunter Brown, this could be this will be a big year for him. I mean, I, I think he'll be a, in some way a big part of that rotation. And. Will he be the next Justin Verlander? We'll see, but uh, certainly his career is off to a hot start. And there's been a lot of anticipation around a guy named Forrest Whitley. I've talked to you previously about this guy, but is this the year that we might actually see Forrest Whitley Whitley break through and get into the big leagues and contribute? Yeah, I think he's got a shot. I mean, uh, you know, he's worked on so much throughout his career. He was always changing his mechanics. You know, he's overcome a couple of injuries, a suspension a few years ago, so not been exactly the start to a career as you would have hoped, but uh, he's still, I think, 23 years old. So this is still a young arm, a guy who still has really good stuff. And, uh, you know, he's he's got a couple of really good pitching coaches here in the big league level that will try to get him, you know, up to the major leagues. I'm not so sure. Maybe you just, you know, try him as a, a reliever at this point, see if he can go in, in there for knitting and just use that, you know, great stuff and that fastball and just blow some people away. But very anxious to see, again, it seems every year what Forrest Whitley can do at spring training. But I think this is a big year for him, you know, if he comes to camp healthy mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, try to take the bull by the horns and, uh, you know, go out there, AAA, put up some big numbers and then get to the big leagues. All right. Let's transition over to the offense slash defensive side, because one of the well, the biggest signing with all of this money flying around the free agent market, the Astros kind of settled back, keyed in on one guy and got him. And that was Jose Abreu from the Chicago White Sox, signing him to a three-year deal to play first base in replacement of Yuli Gurriel. Talk about the dynamic that he brings and what he could mean to this lineup. Yeah, obviously a guy who's just a couple of years removed from winning the MVP. I, I thought it was very interesting when he was introduced at the press conference that Jim Crane said that uh, Abreu told him he already had the phone numbers for most of the guys, Astros in his uh, in his phone because he was that close to a lot of those guys. So oh, wow. I think it was, it was a very good fit, a very natural fit. Um uh, a guy who's only hit 15 home runs last year, but, uh, you know, in Minute Maid Park, that short porch in left field, 
Um, I think he's got a chance to put up some pretty big numbers. He'll probably hit six in a lineup with five all-stars in front of him. So he's going to have a lot of RBI chances, not a lot of pressure on him. Just go out there and pick up some of these guys. So, um, you know, and he's, he's, a, he's a good enough first baseman. I think you feel he's pretty good over there. He's not defensively. He's not Yuli Gurriel, but you know, I think offensively, this is a big time upgrade for the Astros. It gives them a really deep one through six in their lineup now, assuming that everybody's healthy. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was a very popular move in the clubhouse as well. So speaking of popularity, Yuli Gurriel is one of those guys that's really endeared himself to this fan base here in Houston and in the clubhouse. Uh, you talked about how valuable he is on the defensive side, scooping pretty much everything that comes over to first base, and it kind of lends itself to a couple of questions. I'll ask you both of them. You know, what 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 do you think is in store for Yuli in uh, 2023? And then maybe what happens to the utility role? Because you lost to Ledmus Diaz also to the Oakland Athletics. And so that utility role is kind of uh, free and open right now. Yeah, utility role is pretty much out there. Um, you know, Ledmus had that role for the last couple of years. Marwin, of course, so great in that role before that. But, um, you know, I thought a couple of weeks ago, it looked like Yuli was pretty much headed to the Marlins. Not sure what happened there. So, you know, as of right now, he's still out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not so sure how much of a fit he is with the Astros. You know, he, he plays mostly first. We know Abreu's going to play over there. You know, how much third can he play? How much second? You know, I'm not sure at this point. He is like 38 years old. So um, it would be a popular move again. I mean, I know a lot of those guys in that clubhouse and certainly the fans would love to have him back. But you look at some of the utility options now. David Hensley can play all, all over the infield a little bit. A guy who puts the bat on the ball obviously doesn't have the experience you would like to have with the utility guy. I mean, you really want a guy in that role who's got experience. Um, Dubon's going to be in the mix as well. We know he can play center. They they traded for Madrice, who a left-handed bat who can play some first and right field. So I think he's going to be in the mix as well as well. But uh, you know, maybe there's a way they can get Yuli back on this roster and, and get him in a role he'll he feels comfortable and, and can work him in. But uh, you know, right now he's still out there. But I know if 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 he somehow comes back to the Astros, there's gonna be a lot of very happy people seeing the the La Pina walk through that clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, and I think two of those guys would be me and you. He's obviously <laughs> a lot of fun to cover. Yeah. He's always smiling when we walk through the clubhouse or see him around the batting cage. Uh, I want to hit on one last guy that was kind of, it, it was an expected signing for me, and I'm actually pretty grateful that he is coming back, but Michael Brantley's kind of become that that clubhouse captain and that dugout leader that the Astros have kind of look at, looked for because Bregman isn't necessarily that vocal leader. He kind of leads by actions, much like Jose Altuve. You lose Carlos Correa, who is really that vocal leader inside the clubhouse. But Michael Brantley, even on the injured list last season, proved to, to be a valuable asset in that clubhouse. And we talked about how deep this lineup is already. Give me an idea of what you've heard about Michael Brantley's health and maybe how he mixes into this roster. Well, I had a chance to talk to Michael just on Monday, just a couple of days ago in Florida at the uh, Reggie Jackson Golf Tournament. Some Astros were down there, uh, McCullers, uh, Brantley. Um, Jeremy Pena was down there as well. So Brantley wasn't clear for golf, but he was he was part of the festivities. But um, he said that things are going really well. He said next week he's he's going to start taking BP, and that that's going to re really be a huge step. He's running, throwing, doing all that stuff. Um, he mentioned he's on a schedule, and I asked him, I said, does that schedule mean that you would be ready for opening day? And he said yes. So, oh, wow. Yeah, as long as he stays on this schedule, doesn't have any setbacks, it looks like he will be ready for opening day. That being said – he said, we really won't know until we get into games and we start getting game action going where I'm at. So, yeah. um, but he said he was feeling really good. I mean, he looked really good. So he had surgery mid August. So it's been what, four months now, 
five months till middle of the spring, a six month recovery puts you around opening day. So um, yeah, if, if, if it's not going to be ready right around opening day, it's probably not going to be much after assuming he has no setbacks. Well, shoot, that's fantastic to hear. That really speeds up the clock on Michael Brantley, obviously a huge asset in there. I want to finish off with one last question for you, Tags. And uh, 2023, the odds are out in Vegas. People are laying money down. And even with the flurry of activity that we already talked about in this offseason, the Astros really weren't a team that made major adjustments. Yet, they're still considered to be the World Series champion favorites. There's an opportunity to repeat. In Brian McTaggart's eyes right now, what do you see happening in 2023 for the Astros? Yeah, I think if their pitching stays healthy, that they they are the favorites to repeat. I mean, they they have so much experience now in the playoffs. I think it's just going to come down to pitching health. They were they were really healthy last year in the pitching. Got McCullers back, but Verlander was on the IL just for a bit. But they have to stay healthy pitching wise. But it, you know, all these teams have gone out there and made all these moves, spent all this money to try to catch up to the Astros, who are sitting on their couch with their two trophies and saying, you know, come get it. And uh, here they are again as one of the favorites. I mean, the division's going to be tougher. Seattle's gotten a lot better. Rangers are improving. Mm -hmm. um, Yankees went out and added Carlos Rodon. So, you know, they're going for it again. It's not going to be easy. I think it's, it's going to be a little bit tougher than years past. But I still think they're the team to beat. And uh, I think you can't discount the playoff experience that they have. And uh, uh, another player I got to talk to a couple of days ago was Derek Jeter on the golf course. And I was asking him about why is why can't anybody repeat? No one's done it since the Yankees won three in a row in 2000. And Good question. And he says, you know, a lot of things have to go right. But he, he said the Astros just have somehow have a way of replenishing talent and and being contenders every year. And he was really impressed by that. So maybe this will be the year that uh, there'll be a, a repeat champion since that Yankees dynasty. I know it would drive a lot of fans nuts across the country if that would actually happen. But uh, the Astros are going to continue to go out there and play well. Tags, do you already have your tickets for the Final Four down here in Houston with the Cougars playing so well? I do not, but I'm poking around some, you know, secondary sites to see. Hey, I was very excited to see the Astros on the day of the Final Four in Houston. The Astros are playing the White Sox at 1 p.m. So yep. I can cover that game and then go over and watch the Cougars uh, roll into the, the championship game. I, I don't have tickets, but... Uh, I'll tell you, I will be there. I was there, and I will be there. That's beautiful. I can't wait. Hopefully that does happen for Kelvin Sampson and his Cougars. Brian McTaggart, going into his 22 decades of covering the Astros between the Houston Chronicle and MLB.com. Make sure you find him. Great articles, great insight, always asking the right questions. I greatly appreciate the friendship, and I greatly appreciate hanging out with you pretty much all day today. So thanks for coming on Astroline. Yeah, same here, Blummer. Let's have dinner, huh? <laughs> if not more beer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was Brian McTaggart from MLB.com covering the Astros. We appreciate the time. We'll be right back. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. 
Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. How we doing, Houston? We got a special appearance by... Two salty veterans of World Series play. To my left, I've got two two-time World Series champions. In a minute, I'm going to talk to these guys about the golden era of Astros baseball. Jose Altuve, how you doing? Good. Pretty good? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we've got third baseman Alex Bregman. Hey, everybody. So, just to kick this thing off real quick. Do both of you realize how you have ruined this generation by winning so much? Because we've heard about the Astros in the 80s. Nolan Ryans, Glenn Davis, Billy Dorn, and then you get in the 90s, you get Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, Billy Wagner. They were good. They won a couple of Central Division championships, and here we are. 2010 plus and you guys do nothing but win do you realize that this generation of fans is going to talk about jose altuve and alex Bregman, how good you are but how great your teams were does that make any sense to you yet 100 percent. it's uh it's been an honor to play every single day in front of you fans and um we're looking forward to keeping it going and continue to win. Jose, what, what is it like to win as often as you do? <laughs> Obviously winning is uh, good for us, but <laughs> most important is to, to play good enough to make our fans happy. You know, uh, I got to the big list in 2011 and we were losing quite a bit, 100 games, three seasons in a row, and they were there supporting us every night. So I think now they deserve everything that is happening to, to the team because of them, yeah. Fans obviously have a lot to do with it, and Alex, coming out of LSU, getting drafted by the Houston Astros, what was your initial reaction when you found out you got drafted by the Astros? Well, I was excited because it's like halfway in between Albuquerque and Baton Rouge. So um, I had a lot of friends and family here and then I'm looking up and they're in the wild card game that year. Really exciting young team. And uh, we've grown together and uh, won a lot of playoff games. So, Jose, you had to fight, excuse me, just to get into the big leagues, but then you become 
A Houston Astro, like you said, 11, 12, 13. When you started to see this team turn around in 2015, did you know it was going to be as good as it is right now? Uh, I never thought that, but I knew something special was going on because the chemistry we had on the, on the clubhouse, everybody was just talking about winning, about supporting each other. And when you have every single player going in the same direction, in the same page, good things are going to happen. And Alex, you talked about you get drafted, they're making that move into the wild card. 16, they miss out on it. Do you think missing the playoffs that season for the ball club made them that much more hungry to get back into the postseason? Yeah, I think so. Everyone showed up to spring training ready to uh, compete, to win. And uh, there was just a great energy there. And that's continued for the last seven years. And we can't wait to get to spring training this year, get it started again, and hopefully uh, go back to a uh, seven straight ALCS and another World Tree trip. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but the fans and I get to hang out at least 150 games a year. We recognize your greatness. We recognize that you guys play in some tough environments. What is it like, Jose, for you, when you step into Yankee Stadium or Philadelphia or Seattle, where you know that there's gonna be a limited amount of people that actually like you? Yeah, but I think as long as our fans are with us, we're, we're good. We can go anywhere, play the way we've been playing, because Houston's fans is what, you know, we need every day to go out there and play, like I said, the way we play. Alex, what's it like for you? No, it's great. Just like he said, we know that every single Astros fan uh, has our back, and we got theirs, and let's go. H what do they say? H-Town versus everyone. Believe it. And it's literally everyone. It's everyone sitting in these seats. These guys are repping you, and they play hard. You can give yourself a round of applause. So we get to the World Series, and we're talking about this memorable era of Astros baseball, and you guys are lucky enough to be around for it the entire time. You've seen a lot, you've done a lot, but let's talk a little bit about maybe game one of the ALDS. There is a dude in the middle of this lineup that is an absolute beast. And I want to talk to you a little bit, Alex, because I can't stop watching the replay of it because you're in the background. And normally when you're watching a playoff game and a guy hits a home run, you're waiting with anticipation. Is it going to get out? Is there going to be a play on it? But Jordan in game one hit one of the most legendary home runs in an unreal situation, and you knew it off the bat. It was a bomb into the second tank. Go through what it was like to be on deck and witness that, and then tell me about that explosive emotion you had after you, after you hit it, because you knew it was gone. Yeah, so anytime Jordan hits one ball hard in a game, I think he's gonna hit like three or four balls hard right after that. So 
I was expecting it because he just drove a ball to left center the previous at bat. And uh, when it left his bat, I kind of just blacked out and went crazy. <laughs> I think a lot of us did. Uh, Jose, what did that do to that attitude in that game when you saw Jordan hit that home run? You know, as I Brady said, every time he hit the ball hard, I think it's going to be just out of the ballpark, out of the moon. So that was a great hit by him just to set the tone. What the postseason ended up being for us. You know, that game number one is just probably the, the most important game in, in the postseason. He set the tone the right way. And for me, he's the best hitter in the big leagues right now, by far. I'm not going to argue with that. How can you? He's only a 1,000 OPS guy every year. It's not too bad. Jose, do, uh, are you bored with the playoffs at all? Not at all. <laughs> No? no, not at all. Every time we get to a playoff, it seems like the first one for me. I'm really excited, just trying to win. And yeah, I know 2022 was great, but that was last year. I want to win again this year. So Absolutely. So one of the things that we keep hearing about, and I had a chance to talk to, with, with Alex about this a little bit earlier, your clubhouse is unbelievable. Talk us through what it's like to be in an Astros clubhouse. Is there a big jokester, prankster? Who's telling the, the jokes? Who's ragging on who wears what into the clubhouse? How, how much fun are you guys having? Both of you. A lot of fun. We're like a family. And I think, you know, Bray can tell you more. He's in charge of the whole clubhouse. <laughs> Uh, I think the jokester in the clubhouse was probably Yuli. Uh, yeah, he was funny. Um, he's good. Hmm. Bracamonte right here. Come here, Braca. Ah, uh, Braca. Braca's a big jokester as well. Braca also throws batting practice every single day to Jose and I for the last, you since like 2011, me since 2017. So, Brock is the best. He throws the best BP in the world, and he's also one of the best jokesters. Who, who takes the most heat in the, the clubhouse? Is there just Me. one guy Me. that wears <laughs> Me. How do you take... How? I, I just... I don't know. I, Yuli, Yuli used to give me a, a hard time. It was fun. So, what are your off-seasons like? Because you guys have been here the longest. You've, you're going to the postseason. So you have these abbreviated uh, off-seasons. Breggy, you're busy as heck. Altuve, what are you doing in the off-season? You just immediately go into workout mode? No, I take four or five weeks off and then get back, back to work, get back to get ready to my routine. And I, I feel like my preparation in the off-season is the most important thing to stay healthy uh, during the season. How about you, Alex? I know you're busy. Yeah, same thing. Uh, I think the offseason's huge, and you got to build that foundation leading into spring training in order to uh, be prepared for the season. So we've actually been training here at Minute Maid with a lot of the guys, and everyone's excited to get to camp, and we're looking forward to it. All right, I think we're going to – I'm going to ask one more question, and I think we're going to throw it to the crowd and get some questions from the fans – 
because it's only appropriate, fan form, makes sense. But I want to ask both of you, uh, give, me, give me your best moment of the season. I know that's a little bit hard. There's combined no-hitters. There's going into Yankee Stadium and making everybody in the Bronx mad at you, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, you know, there, there's all the career numbers that you guys are racking up. But give me, Jose Altuve, your one moment, if you can, this season that really meant the most to you or maybe gave you the idea that you guys were destined for this World Series championship. Yeah, tough one. It's a lot of great moments, but I have to go with uh, Jeremy Pena in Seattle, Whoa. eighth inning to, to go to the ALCS. That was unbelievable. What was it like being on the field? That was a great one. What was it like knowing you're both of you guys, 18 innings? Or are you just wondering who that guy's going to be? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we, were, we were all still excited. I felt like everyone still had a bunch of energy. Um, but it was very nice when Jeremy hit that homer. My uh, favorite moment was either Jordan's homer in game six or Presley's entrance into the game in game six in the ninth. That's outstanding. I appreciate you bringing that up. Did you guys know that, that Alex was coming up with this entrance? It was going to be unbelievable? No, we, we didn't know. And then the lights started flickering. All the fans, I think, were waving the their phones. Uh, maybe they left like a note in each seat in the ballpark and coordinate that, or maybe our fans are just in sync with us. So, what did you think of that, Altuve? You guys are out there waiting for him to come in. Lights down, music up, light. I mean, it was incredible. Amazing moment. Yeah. Are you gonna do that? Hey. <laughs> Asking you, shall receive. Are you gonna do that when you come up to the plate next year? Maybe. <laughs> All right, I believe we're going to go into the seats. Let's hear it, fans. Congratulations, guys, on winning the World Series. My question is, how does it feel leading the Astros to two World Series trophies and breaking so many records with the Astros organization and possibly winning more World Series games in the future? Yeah, I think it's amazing. You know, like I said a minute ago, Every time we go to playoff, we set a record. But the best thing is just actually making it happen. We've been in uh, four World Series in the last six years, but winning two of them is just a dream come true for, for us as a player. Yeah, it's a dream come true, very motivating, and we want to continue to do it for uh, years to come. Hey, Jose. First of all, congratulations on being a two-time world champion. So my question is, do you ever, when the time comes, plan to retire in Houston? Absolutely, yeah. Hello, Jeff, Jose, and Alex. I just wanted to tell you guys that in my yearly review at work, I got in trouble for watching the 18-inning game, and it literally says on that review, the Houston Astros, pero no me importa, okay? So 
I followed y'all to Philadelphia and back. Those games were crazy. I'm so glad we won. I always say we. People wonder why I say we, because Houston, right? Okay. So everyone thinks y'all know me, and I always say they don't, but I still love y'all como loca. So I sit behind y'all in 122. My question is, how do you feel about the crazy fans with their colorful outfits, accessories, and signs, especially your number one fan? We love all of our fans. Um, it's an honor to play um, in front of y'all every single day. We don't take that lightly. We cherish every single moment of it. And uh, I feel like all of us here in Houston are a family. Hi guys, congratulations on winning. Um, my question is, what, is, what are y'all favorite eateries in Houston? You guys have a favorite restaurant in yeah, Houston so that you go lot. to? Stay house, Italian, I go everywhere. I like to try new stuff every day. Oh, uh, I like El Tiempo. <laughs> Altuve, Bregman, thank y'all for everything, all the memories and wins. It's been great. And uh, my question is, who were y'all's inspirations growing up and just playing baseball? Like, how do y'all go by that? Uh, yeah, I used to like Dustin Pedroia, second baseman for the Rexas and, you know, love it the way he played. And, and I think that was who inspired me to keep playing hard and, and get to the big list. Um, growing up, my inspiration was my dad and then also actually Dustin Pedroia. Also known as the Laser Show. Yeah. Love that story. Mm -hmm. All right, what else we got? Okay, this is for Jose Altuve. I love you too, Alex, but I just wanted to know, <laughs> I just wanted to know, Jose, if you know how much Houston loves you every time you go to bat, we're, we have your back. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we got one more question. <laughs> Shalomi, homie. Congratulations on your baby, and how has your new life with your baby evolved with your career? Well, I used to go home after going 0 for 4, and I was really mad, and then now I go home, and if I'm 0 for 4, I'm really happy, because I get to hang out with my son and my wife, so. But I still want to be 4 for 4. <laughs> so I've got one more question before we let you guys go. There was a great question that we got earlier about Jose Altuve. Retirement's way down there. But the fact that you guys have been here during this generation of winning, and we call it the golden era of Astros baseball, you, do you understand how much it means to these fans to watch George Springer go, Garrett Cole go, Justin Verlander go, Carlos Correa goes, and you guys are still here Explain, these guys, they're the heartbeat of Houston, but talk about playing here and what it means to you to be able to bring these championships and that much joy to these fans. No, I love Houston, you know, I grew, I grew up in the big list playing for Houston since 2011. 
I don't want to play anywhere else but here. Yeah, obviously it's not only up to me, you know, we got two sides, so I'm really, you know, fell in love with the city, with the people here. So, like I said, I'm just open to stay here all my career. Exact same answer. <laughs> These guys like to keep it simple. They play extremely good baseball. Thank you, Jose. Thank you, Alex. Give them a round of applause. They're yours. Thank you, guys. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed those interviews. Again, Brian McTaggart, wealth of knowledge. We'll probably talk to him maybe you know halfway through the season, get another update and see how things are going. But great news about Michael Brantley. That's the one that really stunned me is that his rehab process is going so well. And if he stays on this track, he should be ready by opening day, which is absolutely incredible and obviously makes this Astros team that much better. And I truly hope that someday Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve can sit back on a porch or in a recliner grab a nice glass of uh, scotch or bourbon, whiskey, whatever they want to drink and sit back and realize, you know, the impact that they've had on this organization and the run they've had in this Astros uniform. Because that's one of those fun things to do when you retire is really kind of reflect on what you accomplished. And these guys have accomplished incredible things. And with the new GM, Dana Brown, around, Hey, you never know. Maybe they finished their careers as Astros, which would be a lot of fun to talk about. We know how it went for Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio. Maybe the same things for Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. But I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bleacher Blums. We will be back again next week. I will find time to get my good buddy David Tuttle on this podcast again so you can hear his voice and hear his insight. And of course, we got to figure out who has to go watch 80 for Brady. It sounds like Tom Brady already lost the bet having to watch it a couple of times. Just saying. But welcome. I mean, thank you for listening to the Bleachers. And again, at the end of every podcast, we absolutely give our gratitude to those in the military, both serving and have served, all you veterans and those currently serving. We appreciate you both home and abroad, protecting our borders, keeping us safe, shooting down balloons every once in a while, which is crazy to think about, but we greatly appreciate you and you know, hope you keep on listening. Obviously, first responders, all of the police personnel, the fire personnel that goes running into harm's way to keep us safe and protect us, all of the doctors, EMTs, nurses, everybody out there protecting our health and keeping us going. We appreciate you. And of course, my favorite, all the teachers and essential workers out there, you're the true heroes that keep working to keep this society going and nurturing our youth. We greatly appreciate you. All the best out there in the bleachers. And of course, from the Bleacher Blums crew, you better get after it and believe it. And get tested for colorectal cancer. Oh, yeah. And then stick that thing up your rear. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the outtake right there. <laughs>